Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write... We talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Welcome, writers. This is Simply Write with Polly. And this is the show where we talk about the writing craft and crafting a writing career. And today, among other things, we're going to have a craft talk about how to improve our writing, whether you're writing nonfiction or fiction. And even if you're doing content marketing, or especially if you're doing content marketing writing, we're going to talk about an element we need to think about in each of our pieces. And it's descriptive writing, description. We can come in too heavy on that and it can really ruin a piece of writing, distract the reader and make it unreadable. Or we can find the balance so that the descriptive language we use, the imagery we use, uh, creates character, sets the scene, and also develops this emotional connection with the reader. Description, how to do it and how it can enhance our pieces is what we're talking about in the craft segment of the show. But first, it's time for the dailies. All right, what am I working on today? Well, I am, as usual, pulling from different pots today, right? I started the morning with some writing time. I, it didn't go well. I'm, I'm feeling frustrated and a little jittery. I've been up and down more than I have been sitting at my desk. And finally, I'm letting that go a little bit. In fact, if you subscribe to my uh, column today at simplywrite.subtech.com, you can read more about that. Sometimes the writing happens better when you get up from the desk. Now, not always. You need to sit down and get the work done. But today's one of those days. I finally let it loose and uh, moved on to other things. Sat down at the computer um, to write the podcast and to deliver the podcast and had some tech issues. So as a full-time writer, you get to learn all kinds of things. Now, once a year, I do have a computer tech, more if needed, but I do have a computer tech come on in to my office to update my equipment and make sure things are optimized because I can't afford to lose that time down with technology. However, uh, there were some loose wires and some weirdness going on with the software I was using today. So I had to troubleshoot that. It took a little longer than I wanted, but we're up and rolling now. So that's satisfying. And I am going to put in some writing time after this. I need to edit uh, a piece and revise part of a chapter. I'm moving things in and out and around of that. And it's uh, hard going, but I really, really love revision. In fact, we'll talk about that on the show one day. For me, that's really where the writing 
comms and I love it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm uh, going to make some soup. It's raining here in Oregon today. And I'm going to uh, take out my frustration on the carrots and the onions and the celery and things I need to chop up a little bit. I've, it's been a frustrating day, but there are days like that in any job. It's important that when we're struggling in the writing we don't take it out always on the writing. It's a hard job, but there are a lot of hard jobs out there, right? And sometimes life just doesn't flow as smoothly as we'd like, and that's the way it goes. So make sure you keep some mental balance during those times. It's not going to go great and easy all the time, but it still can be okay. So uh, those are the dailies. All right, time to talk craft. And today we're talking about description, how to create it in our work, whatever we're doing, nonfiction or fiction, content, marketing, writing, promotional materials, websites. This is the time where we really get to touch readers on an emotional level. We get to build in some uh, sensory details and description, create setting, uh, improve characterization, right? This is what it comes down to. And it's more than just details. It's more than just what you choose to put in. But like so much of writing, uh, this quality, this element requires us to think as an artist and creator and writer and as an entrepreneur. Because to do this effectively, to create effective, uh, descriptive writing, we have to keep our market in mind. And our market might be an editor at a magazine in, in that case, our market is also the reader of that magazine, right? If you're working for a woman's magazine, um, then you want to make sure you are using language that appeals to that audience, probably women, sometimes working women or moms or whatever it is, right? If you're writing for a magazine like Fast Company or Entrepreneur, if you're creating a website, you also want to keep that market in mind. Who are the readers of this piece? If you're writing fiction or narrative nonfiction, it's a different audience altogether. And knowing the market, knowing the readers knowing your audience is key in creating the kind of descriptive work that will appeal to them and keep them reading, prompt them to take action, and really leave them thinking about your piece. Create that emotional resonance in the work that will prompt them to buy your next book or buy the product for the company you're writing for or whatever it is, whatever the point of the piece is. So what are we talking about when we're talking about descriptive writing? You know, the primary purpose is really to uh, use language to describe a person or a place, create the scene, set the scene, create the setting, so that the reader has an image in mind. Um, I don't think, and I wouldn't recommend that you tell them every detail. I think that makes the writing overwrought. It's not fun to read. I don't like super flowery, long descriptions personally. Anyhow, I don't read those kind of books. And the readers are smart. So don't ever over tell them anything because that's going to turn them off. But take a minute to think about who your character is, what the setting is, the, the purpose of the story, the, the net graph, right? The issue you're discussing or teaching about. And then consider the language that you can use to do that. When you're working with a piece, if you're working in nonfiction, consider that question. What is the purpose of this? Are you trying to tell people about the upcoming election? 
Are you profiling a new author or artist or business CEO? You have to consider then who the reader might be and what their experiences are. What do you want the article or the website or the novel? What do you want it to do? What do you want to leave writers with? Do you, are you covering a theme? Do you want to sell a product? What is the piece designed to do? Do you want to share your experiences so that others might relate and feel better about their experiences? And to do any of those things, you've got to consider the reader's experience, right? Nonfiction writing and fiction writing both need descriptive language for them to work, I believe. And I've written both. I'm working on a novel now, and I've worked as a journalist for years and years, and I've written several service books, uh, nonfiction, how-to per personal development books. The latest is You Recharge, and you can see a really good example of this kind of description in that book. I was very clear about who my audience was when I wrote that book. My publisher and I had talked about that pretty extensively. I was writing to the people who would buy that kind of book. And I wanted them to understand these bigger ideas and this technical research in a way that would relate to their lives. Now, the people who buy my book are, are you know, middle-aged, educated parents, families, business people, business women. So they have a certain kind of experiences in their life. Now, obviously, this is a generalization that's not going to appeal to every reader. And hopefully the book still does. But when I was picking language, I wasn't picking language like a lawyer might use if he or she is writing to an audience of legal students or clients even. I was writing to people like me, because those are the books I like to read. So there's a certain kind of descriptive language that I was used in that book. I wanted it to be very conversational and very approachable. So instead of writing textbook copy or technical language, I talked about what happened when my daughter threw a fit. And I described some scenarios like taking time to myself and how I would carve that out, even though, you know, there was soup bubbling and the baby was upset and you know all these things were going because that's language then that sets the scene also gives some information about me as the character it tells you a little bit about my life and it does it in a way that hopefully my intent was that the reader could relate to those are the descriptive words and choices and scenes that I created and so when you're writing fiction then you know, description is what an author uses to depict a character or create the setting or scene. In every case, it's about creating an image in the reader's mind. It's the same in content marketing. When I write a website copy, I want the reader to leave that site with a feeling. I want them to have a favorable impression of the company, but I want them to feel deeper than that so that they come back, so that they have a very clear picture in their mind of what the product or service is that the, the company is selling and what they would get if they take us up on the call to action. If they click the buy now button or call now button or contact now, whatever it is, I want them to know what they're getting. So I want the website, the language used in the website, the descriptive copy to be consistent 
with the experience they will have when they take that action. Crafted descriptive writing then in any type of piece draws readers, users in to the language and the story. And it provides the details they need to push them forward. In a fiction, in a novel, that's going to be to propel the action forward, to move your character forward. In a nonfiction article or essay, you have characters as well. You're going to be uh, talking about the character who's using the product in the story or who you're profiling. Um, in the personal development book that I wrote, I also include other people in there and I talk about that in the story, but I'm the character in that book. I'm sharing my experience and how I turn this difficult situation into something positive and how you might be able to do it too. So I am the character and I need to use the kind of language in that book that's going to show the transformation I went through in my life in a way that readers can relate to. And that's where description comes in. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how to develop that description then in whatever piece you're writing. There are some quick techniques worth thinking about that can help you create more descriptive, more emotionally resonant pieces. We'll get into it right after we take this break. This is Simply Write with Polly on the Creators Network of Electricast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we are back on Simply Write with Polly, and you are listening on the Creators Network of Electricast. And today in our craft discussion, we are talking about creating more descriptive writing and better descriptive writing, I really think, because more is not always better in this case. I don't want pieces that are loaded only with description. I think those are cumbersome to read and I won't get through them, right? Sometimes you read a book where the language is just beautiful and the images are fantastic, but there is so much of it that I can't keep it all straight and I lose threads of the story. That doesn't work for me either. So we've got to look for the balance in our writing and we've got to create descriptive writing that is essential and necessary to the piece to give the reader an image, to create that emotional resonance, to drive them through the story, but nothing else, <laughs> right? We don't want to oversell it because readers are smart. They are going to uh, 
create their own images and ideas, and that's part of the fun of reading. All right, so how do we create this kind of descriptive language? Well, first of all, use sensory details, right? Go to the five senses, the touch, the, the smell, the taste, the sound. Now, this is interesting because it's really easy. Most of us go heavy on sight, especially when it's a reading experience, right? We talk about how something looks. We talk about colors. But we also need to get into textures and smells. Smells are so powerful. And for me, they're one of the harder things to write. Um, but it all starts in the noticing. And this is when I take notes mostly. If I'm in a noisy restaurant, I want to know what the noisy is, right? Because I don't want to come home and put my character in a scene at a restaurant and talk about how noisy it was, if it's important to the story. I want to be able to articulate in one or two sentences what the noise is. The lady at the table next to me was talking so loud that when the waiter asked me what kind of wine I wanted, I couldn't hear him or whatever it is, right? That's just an off-the-cuff example. We want to use description to move the story forward. We don't want to tell people this is where the showing can really happen, right? And look at textures of cloth. If you put on a jacket, if your character puts on a jacket, what does it sound like? What does that smell like? What is that, you know, it, does, it, does it rustle? Is it smooth like one of those, you know, down-filled, shiny jet puffy coats? Or is it like a canvas army coat, camouflage jacket? I don't know. Tell me. Because how you set that description the kind of coat your character wears, the kind of coat the subject of your story puts on or the clothes they wear, how they move in those clothes, can tell me a lot about character and can tell me a lot about where they are in nonfiction or fiction. Think about what somebody's wearing on the red carpet and think about if you have a celebrity character on the red carpet in a profile or something else and they are wearing jeans or a puffy jacket that rustles when they walk. It tells you something about them. Describe a little bit of the setting and describe how your character moves in and out that setting by using these sensory details. What do they taste? What do they smell? What do they touch? And what do they see? How do they see it? How do they respond to those things? Again, this is something that to get those specifics, this is when I write in my little notepad. These are the kinds of things I write down. Maybe pieces of, of language or uh, sounds that I'll hear so that when I get back to my desk, when I'm, I, I have specific examples because I don't want to say that the restaurant was a nice restaurant. I want to see the white tablecloths and the shining china. I don't want to hear the noise. I want specific noises detailed that I did hear. Okay? So go to the sensory details. Again, don't overdo it, but use the ones that orient us in the setting you think is essential to the story and in the character. You can also use descriptive verbs. So you don't have to say he was running down the street you can say he was skipping down the street. It tells you more about character, right? That one word change. So again, writing is about choosing the right word and putting it in the right place. This is not an easy thing. And in fact, I'm in the middle of it myself with my novel right now. And 
I went over the deep end. The first um, draft that I wrote, I, I was really more like a puppet master. I was moving my characters through all these uh, things, all these experiences and, and sensory details, but I was telling more than showing, and I was loading it up. It wasn't fun to read. I had to do that first. And now I'm just going through and filtering out. I know the characters better. So I can leave one or two well-placed words that tell you a whole lot more about character instead of telling you everything they're doing, which really doesn't make them unique in any way. That's not a form of characterization. So choose your words, your descriptive words. Eliminate, you know, adverbs and go to strong verbs and really precise adjectives uh, to create that image in the reader's head and give it a, a sense of vividness and bring them into the real life. Also, you know, imagery, figurative language and images, metaphors and similes, hyperbole, those things are true to what our English teacher said. They create a, a kind of alliteration or rhythm or a language for our words, noise for our words, sense of our words. But if you're using metaphors in every sentence, you're going to lose the reader. Once in a while, they really work if they paint a picture in a new way if they tell something, we all understand in a new way. That can be captivating. So look for ways to add that in, whether it's nonfiction or fiction. And use them as a way of surprising the reader. That can be a way to draw the comparison, help us see something in a new way and develop a really strong image of your scene or character or the issue that you're writing at hand. Um, a way I think about this a lot in my writing is how do characters rub up against the objects in their life? Because we all do that, right? How do they hold the pencil when they're nervous? What does that look like? What are they doing with that pencil? I wrote an article a few years ago about aerial yoga. This was for a nonfiction uh, piece for a magazine. And there was a main character, right? This woman who had transformed her life using aerial yoga. And then a, a bunch of secondary characters, people to comment on this form of fitness and the teachers and other participants and so forth. But instead of just telling the reader what it was or what it looked like, I opened the story and the whole first part of this was a long form piece. The whole first part of the story described the main character, the primary woman's experience on the trapeze and on the rope that they use in the class. How she interacted with the rope told a lot, not only about her, but how one does aerial yoga. And that was the point, was to inform readers about this new fitness form that was emerging and how it could help people and was helping some people. So I used that rope that was a major part of the, the aerial yoga class. And the way my character came in contact with that rope to not only describe the topic aerial yoga, but also to give some characterization about her so that the reader would have the setting and some idea about the type of person she was and the type of people that might enjoy aerial yoga going through. I thought it was really effective, but it was super fun to write. 
because anytime you have a character, anytime you have, and, and if you're writing marketing content or branding uh, content, your character might be the corporation or it might be the CEO. Always look for the people. It doesn't matter what you're writing. Always go find the character of a piece, uh, person or corporation or product or otherwise. And then look at the ways that thing rubs up against the things they encounter in their life, whether it's their customers or the tools they use or the party they're at or other people, because there's a lot of chance when we describe that through sensory details, the way they interact with those objects, the descriptive writing can become really fun to write and really powerful and fun for the writers to read. And finally, another way of getting to this description is keep the point of view in mind. Keep the character and their point of view in mind. Who is telling the story? Who is uh, revolving around these things, right? And when you have point of view, it's going to narrow your field of description so that you'll come at it from this singular perspective. Or if you're writing a novel, you have, might have varying points of view, you know, every other chapter or alternating character point of views and then each character will have their own point of view and so that will change the language the descriptive language that you use and how you do it for each of those characters when i am writing my column at simplywrite.substack.com where we go in more into these details i'm the main character because these are essays and columns i'm writing and i'm writing it for you other writers who are thinking about these things and and want to improve their writing and publish more and sell more like i do right so my point of view is always like okay i'm talking to other writers other aspiring writers other writing professionals so i'm going to share my perspective on this my point of view is some ways i've navigated these challenges or not some things that didn't work for me so that you can take it in and use it so that makes it real easy for me to include minimal descriptive writing because i just go to my experience what objects did i use to do that what were some of my feelings what was i thinking how did it feel when i had that client call or whatever it was so that's a way to get into it understanding the point of view of the story or the chapter you're writing helps a lot in narrowing that list and narrowing the style of descriptive language that you use you don't it doesn't run away with you and become cumbersome in the book. And another way to avoid that same pitfall is to cut out the obvious, right? That, that, there are some phrases that are, that are almost cliche now because we've heard them described that same way peeling layers of an onion, right? Her character was, he was just peeling layers of an onion to understand her better. Come on, we can do better than that. We've heard that a million times. The first time, the first couple times, maybe that worked. But there are other ways to describe somebody who might be reticent on the outside, but has many layers, or quiet on the outside, but has many deep layers within them. We can find other descriptions to use. And surprise the reader with surprising words and surprising metaphors and surprising sensory details. And you will keep readers reading throughout. That's the ultimate goal, right? Because our readers, our editors, our publishers, and the readers who buy our stuff, who buy the magazine, who buy those novels. So keep it tight. Write it out. Understand your character and your scenes and use the language to really tell those aspects of your writing. 
but then cut out the over description and pick a few tight sensory details, a few tight verbs, and the language that really allows the image to form in the reader's mind. And uh, you'll have a solid piece of description there that'll keep readers reading. And if you do that, you'll keep editors wanting your work and publishers wanting to publish your work because it's a part of writing that makes it really fun to read. All right, and if you get some good descriptions going, let me know. Join our Substack community at simplywrite.substack.com and I'll look for you there. And you know what that means at Typewriter Sound? It's time for my favorite segment, What's in the Desk? What's in the Desk? Because I, I part of the reason I love this job so much is I love great papers and pens. I'm really learning more about fountain pens and, and processes and the way other writers work. So I like to share some of the tools I'm using now and again. And today, you know, I told you at the top of the show, I was having some challenges getting started today. So let me reach for it. I um, came in here and I lit my candle. It's called Big Dipper. I got it at a uh, store out here called New Season and it's a waxwork Big Dipper candle. It's in a little small metal tin and it smells like lavender and this one is for harmony. So when I was having problems getting going, today I decided to light some candles and kind of nourish my soul a little bit. I, I was going to work, right? Today's a writing and work day. So yeah, I'm not getting up from the computer. Um, most of the day I did, I did stretch and move a little bit to try to get myself going. But when I came back in here, then I lit my candle, the Big Dipper. Create a space on your desk for things that make you feel good and, and things that can kind of, uh, motivate you or get you thinking differently. I don't write the candle every day. It's kind of my, my technique when I'm stuck and it just gives me something else to uh, think about. And the senses, I like aromatherapy a little bit, gets me going. So that's what's in the desk. A candle today on Simply Write. And that means it's time for us to wind things up. We've got lots of good things in the queue, so I hope you tune in and subscribe and leave a review. Those reviews really help get this podcast out to other people. The algorithms, the marketing people, not me, but they'll, they pull those up out of online indexes and cues and they'll bump them to the top so more people can find the work we're doing. If you like what you hear, please share it with somebody, leave a review, like the show, however you do it, wherever your podcasts are heard, because it really makes a difference and helps us keep creating, be able to keep creating and keep doing the work and I appreciate it. You can also find me at simplywrite.substack.com and my other podcast is called Polly Campbell Simply Said and that's a personal development podcast. You can find that also uh, and along with my books and information about the other stuff I'm doing and teaching, I'm going to have some classes coming up I think later in the year. So if you're interested in working directly, small groups of six, uh, so lots of personal attention about how to get the writing done and published. I think it's uh, worth doing. And I think now, honestly, it's a tricky time, but there are many, many places to publish your work and start accumulating those clips and getting those books done. And we can talk about that all. 
And you can always find me on the socials. I'm in and out of Instagram. I'm on Twitter at P.L. Campbell, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. My website, polycampbell.com and uh, Substack. I'm there every week. So connect. And I want to thank you for being part of this community. Really, I think uh, when we come together, it's fun to talk about writing. It's fun to share this stuff, but it also is really a way to improve our work and keep going, right? It could be hard, but when we're together, we're stronger. We can really inspire each other. So thanks for being a part of it. Writers, your assignment this week is to record some descriptive scenes. I want you to go into a situation that is very familiar to you. Maybe it's sitting at the table with your family or cooking dinner or going to a restaurant or maybe you're at a concert or some environment that is not new to you. But while there, I want you to take a few minutes and become mindful and pay attention and write down descriptions for each of your five senses. What are you seeing and tasting and smelling and hearing? It is harder than it sounds, but it also will really immerse you in the situation. And the reason why I want you to go into a familiar environment, although you can really go anywhere and put this to the test, is because I want to challenge you to find new ways of looking at the same old thing. Right, Our characters, the subjects of our profiles and our stories, the companies we're covering and writing for are going to be doing, they're, they're going to be selling, they're going to be eating, they're going to be sleeping, they're going to be um, connecting with clients, they're going to be driving. Many of these things are going to be true from every story and we've read them a billion times. But I'm wondering how we can make our experience at a restaurant feel and sound different on the page than any other one we've read. So if we go into a familiar situation, challenge yourself to notice in sensory detail the differences, the way you would describe things. If it's raining outside, instead of describing the rain like bullets, which I have done, and it does sound like bullets, what's another way you could say it that would indicate it's raining hard, but it will surprise the readers, be fun to write, and really keep us engaged. That's your assignment. Create a descriptive language notebook or page and really look at the environment you're in and, and keep a little workbook as some of the images and phrases and details you could use in your own writing. That's your assignment for this week. All right, that means it's time for us to sit down and get to work today, get the writing done so we have something to work with and ultimately publish so we can create the sustainable writing career. Let's go forward and do it and listen to the words this week of Mark Twain. He says, the difference between the almost right word and the right word is the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. Go forward this week, look at your descriptive language, get specific, precise, and make your writing sing. And remember, as always, sit down and simply write. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. 
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.